Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. I'm mainly going to look at verse 13 and, verse 13 and 14, but I'm going to read starting in verse 1. Paul writes here in Galatians 3, O foolish Galatians. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? Pretty strong language. Calling them foolish And the reason he calls them foolish is that they were turning from Christ back to the law, back to circumcision, and back to bondage. You know, a a person would be foolish who's completely set free, justified, cleared of all charges, and turned back and want to go back in prison. That would be foolish, wouldn't it? All foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you. This only what I learn of you. This is what I want to know. Received ye the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit. I said earlier we were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. What was going on when God saved you? That's why he's asking these Galatians. When God saved you, what was going on? Was the gospel being preached? Was Christ crucified being preached? Or was the law being read to you? Was the Ten Commandments being read to you? Or was Christ being preached? Christ was being preached. Not the law, it's Christ. When you receive the Spirit of God, when God saved you, that's what he's saying, when God saved you, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of grace was being preached. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? God saved you by His Spirit. Are you now made perfect? Are you mature and growing up and made perfect by the flesh? You're going to... (laughs) No. No, it's not like we start out in the Spirit, then we're going to perfect this thing by our works. No, that ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He, therefore, that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye, therefore, that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. I'm looking right now at children of Abraham. The true Jew, the true Israelite, are those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, we are the Jew. We are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit and have no confidence in this flesh. Those Jews said to our Lord, we be Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage. Well, the true seed of Abraham is the promised seed. It's the children of faith. They know ye ye therefore that they which are of faith, those which believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the heathen through faith, not through the works of the law, but through believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Priest before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. 
So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse of it. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law, now here's, get this, in the sight of God. In the sight of God. No man is justified by the law in the sight of God because no man has ever kept it. You've got to keep it inwardly before you can ever keep it outwardly. You love God with all your heart? I never have. I wished I could. I would to God I could. But not in this life. You believe God perfectly? Only Christ did that. Only Christ loved God perfectly. Only Christ kept the law perfectly. He magnified the law and made it honorable. We have dishonored it. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it's evident for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not a faith. It doesn't require faith. (laughs) The law does not ask me to believe. It says do. The law does not require me to believe. It requires me to do what it says and to do it with absolute perfection. That's God's law. And God's law is unbending. Think about it. Adam, by one act of transgression, was kicked out of the garden. Have you kicked any of your children out of the house because they didn't mind you one time? No. No, I'd kick my son out umpteen times a day. I'd have got kicked out umpteen times a day if my, my parents dealt with me like that. But Adam, one transgression. You say, well, that's strict. That's just, that's too strict. People used to, and my dad was strict. I grew up with a dad that was strict. But I'm telling you what, nothing compared to the strictness of God's law. Even as strict as my dad was, it was nothing compared to the strictness of God's law. God said, Adam, don't eat it. In the day you eat it, you die. He didn't say, don't eat it now. I said, don't. Didn't I tell you not to eat that? Don't eat it. Not, didn't I? I'm not going to tell you again. That's us. That's the way we, and we have to deal with each other like that. We have to. But God said, no, I told you not to eat it. Get out of here. You're out. That's, that's how strict God's law is. The law is not a faith. Now, don't, don't even try to mix faith and law together. It doesn't work. The law demands obedience. The man that doeth them shall live in them. If you don't, you die. Christ. Verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now I know, I know that people do not realize that they were born into this world or when they were born into this world, they were born under a curse. A curse. Not until God saves a sinner does that sinner realize that he or she was born under a curse. A curse, a law curse. I'm not talking here about some religious superstition. I'm not talking about some voodoo curse. I mean, that's, that stuff is stupid. Nobody can put a curse on me but God. But God, all that other stuff is just superstition. 
That's all it is. But I'm telling you this, that law curse is not superstition. It's real. The law curse is real. The soul that sinneth shall die. What is that curse? It's this, death. Adam, the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. It says over in Hebrews, it is appointed unto men once to die. That's the curse of the law. You're going to die. You sin, you die. It's not how many times you sin. You sin, you die. That's the curse of the law. The Word of God is very clear on this law curse. Now, I want us to look at this in three, in three points. What did Christ do for us? How did he do it? And the results of his work. And we'll, it won't take me long to cover that. <laughs> it does not take me long to tell you what I know. Because I don't know much. So it doesn't take me long to do it. What did Christ do for us? Well, it says in verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's redeemed us from the bondage of sin. Let's turn back over to Romans 6 again. Romans 6. Look what he, what did he do for us? In Romans 6, 6, he redeemed us from the bondage of sin, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that is with Christ. He's, he's, that, man does, that old man has no dominion over us no more. That the body of sin might be what? Destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. He's redeemed us from the bondage of sin. He's redeemed us from the burden of a broken law. Trying to keep something that's already broken? It's not very bright, is it? It's already broken. We broke it before we knew anything about it. He's redeemed us from the burden of a broken law and its demands on us. This harsh demand, hard demands on it, just demands. God's law, I'll tell you this, Paul said the law of God is good. There's nothing wrong with God's law. God's law is holy. It's a reflection of him. He's, it's holy. It's just. It's good. The problem's with me. It's never with God. It's never with God's law. It's with me. I can't keep it. I can't. Hey, you know, it, it, they can say the speed limit is, uh, it, they can put the speed limit at 80 and I can't keep it. I'll go 85. They can put it down to 55. I'll go 60. You will too. You know that. You, you can't keep a law. If the law says do this or do that, we have such a nature about us that we cannot, we're going to bust if, until we do what it does, says not do. Right? Don't, don't go in that room. <laughs> and you say, why? Well, I said don't go in that My dad used to say, because I said so. And I was like, well, that's not good enough. Well, yes, it is good enough. Thus saith the Lord is good enough, isn't it? But not with the unbeliever. It's like, why? Why this? Why that? Why does this happen? Why does that happen? Why does sin come into the world? I don't know. But I know this. He allowed it. There's a lot of things that go on. I've learned this over the years. A lot of things happen I don't understand. I don't need to understand. One thing I need to do, I need to know something about him who's doing it. I know he's holy. We, we read it. He's good. The Lord is good. He can do no wrong. 
So if I don't, even though I don't understand what's going on, and even though it may seem like a disaster to me, yet I know that he's got good in it. There's good in it there somewhere. It may be years down the road before I experience the good. Or realize it anyway. He has redeemed us from the bondage of sin, the burden of a broken law. He's redeemed us from, he redeemed us from fear and given us hope. Look over in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. The gospel says what? Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It has nothing to do with doing anything. Christ did the doing. He did that. So he's redeemed us from the bondage of sin, the burden of a broken law. He's redeemed us from fear and fear of death, and he's redeemed us from the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death. That's what I read to you earlier. Don't have to fear that, do we? Don't have to fear that. The one thing people fear is throughout their life is dying. I gotta die. We all gotta die. But the believer, the believer looks forward. Going to be with the Lord. Now, I'm not saying I look forward right now just dropping over dead. Because they're just, you know, it is made in us to want to live. I know that. It's just a part of our makeup, you know. We'll all be getting out of here. But the believer has a desire, Paul calls it, a desire to depart and be with the Lord. But nobody else has that desire. That people dread it. They, they dread it. Secondly, how did he do it? Well, it tells us back here in, in, in Galatians chapter 3. Christ hath redeemed us. He's paid the price. He's bought us back. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Look over in Isaiah 53. We need to read these Scriptures in the Word of God. Isaiah 53. In verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded. Over in the margin, my margin here, it says tormented. Tormented. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Made a curse for us. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he was made to be sin for us. And God dealt with him. God dealt with him. God dealt with him in the place of his people. 
He dealt with him. He suffered the hell that I deserved. He suffered the hell that I would have gotten. But Christ took it. He took it. The gospel can be summed up in two words. I was telling the teachers, the, the Bible class teachers that back at home, I said, there's two things that, that you just ingrain in these children, substitution and satisfaction. Christ dying in my place. Christ dying in the place of sinners. Christ, it says, died for sinners. He died, it says, for the ungodly. He took my place. He took it. And when God's law took, took out its wrath, when his justice took out its, his, its wrath on him, he took it out on me. And God's law is satisfied. It is a satisfied law. God's law has no claims on me. God's law is happy with me. Can you believe that? God's law is happy with me. It's satisfied with me. In Christ. In my substitute. Christ dying in my place, bearing my sins in his body on the tree. That is the only way God can be a just God and a Savior. That's the only way God can be a just God and have anything to do with me. Is through his son. Through his son. You know, salvation is not a cooperative effort between me and God. It's Christ dying for me in my place. Satisfying God's law. The law that said the soul that sins shall surely die. Well, this soul sinned. <laughs> this one did. He will by no means acquit the wicked. We read that there in Nahum. He will by no means acquit the wicked. Did you ever stop and think about that? Because you know. You know. what I know what I've done. I know the things that go through my mind. I know... Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, oh, wicked man that I am. If he said there's no way he will not acquit the wicked, then what's my hope? I'll tell you what my hope is. Christ. He will not acquit the wicked without satisfaction. Without satisfaction, you know, you're right. The scripture's right. He's not going to quit the wicked. But I'll tell you what. He put this wicked one to death in Christ on Calvary's tree. And the law is satisfied. Turn him loose. Justified. No charge. No charge against him. Christ given to the law what I could not. And that's perfect obedience. Perfect obedience. He loved God's law. He loved it. He said, my, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. I wish I could get up like that every morning. I don't. And, no, and neither do you. We get up figuring out what we're going to try to do today. He knew what he was going to do today. He's going to do his father's will. <laughs> Thirdly, the results of his work. Here in verse 14, here's the results. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What are these blessings? Well, first of all, justified. 
Is that not a blessing? You know, justification doesn't mean anything to a person. It's, it's just a cold, dry, theological doctrine until you're guilty. <laughs> until you're guilty. And you know it. You know you're guilty. And then to hear that you are justified, cleared of all charges, that there's not one mark on the book against you, it's a glorious doctrine now, isn't it? Oh, it's cold and dead and dry to those who are dead, but to those who are alive and to those whom God has convicted of sin. And you know you're guilty. And to hear justified hear that gavel come down and say, justified, no charges, free to go. <laughs> You're like, wow. Because I know what I am. But that's the blessing of Abraham. See, go back over here in, um, uh, let me see, I think it's verse, let me read verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham in the scripture foreseeing that God would what? Justify. The heathen. The heathen. That's us. <laughs> Don't think about somebody over in Africa somewhere in the dark, way back there in the dark woods somewhere. No, that's us. He's talking about us. He would justify the heathen through faith. Through believing on Christ. That's the same way he justified Abraham. Same way. The blessing of Abraham is ours. One is justification. Secondly, friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God. You believe the gospel? You are a friend of God. And God is your friend. And then peace with God. Look over in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Here's another blessing of, of Abraham. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have right now peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. There's no war. There's no wall. There's no partition between us. There's peace. Peace with God. There's reconciliation, it says over in 2 Corinthians 5.18. We're reconciled to God. He, he's reconciled all things to himself by Jesus Christ. We're reconciled to him. And then another blessing is this. It's uh, turn on 1 Peter. Over in 1 Peter chapter 1. Look in verse um, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, a living hope. Our hope is a living hope because our hope is a person. Paul, calls, Paul, Paul, in writing to Timothy, said, Jesus Christ, our hope. My hope is not that I accepted him as my personal Savior. I'll tell you what my hope is, is that God accepted me in him. 
He has accept, made us accepted in the beloved. It's not me accepting him. It's him accepting me. We, religion has it in reverse, naturally. Men always get it in reverse. He hath begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. I have an inheritance. I have an inheritance that, that is undefiled and that fades not away and it's reserved right now. It's waiting for me in heaven. For you. It says over the margin, for us. <laughs> it's the same inheritance. We all have the same inheritance. All who believe. We have the same inheritance. It's not one might get, you know, more. The other one gets a little less because he wasn't nearly as good. And then I'm going to cut you out of the wheel because, <laughs> no, we all get the same. God. Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. I mean, I can't even begin to put this in words. You know, we start to talk about the inheritance. There's no way to describe this, that inheritance. We haven't seen it with, you know, we haven't been there. We know something about it in the scriptures. But we are rich beyond measure. We are literally rich beyond measure. You're looking at one of the richest men in the world. <laughs> I'm looking at some of the richest people in, the, in this world. Not in material things. That's not rich. That's just a lot of stuff. And you've got to take care of it. The rich man's riches of this world, Solomon said, the rich man's riches won't let him sleep. But the riches we have in Christ give us a good sleep. David said, I lay me down and sleep. <laughs> oh, my. It's an eternal inheritance. To an, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and phased not away. And it's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. It's reserved for you and you are reserved being reserved for it. Reserved and preserved for it. Because God's keeping us. God's keeping us. I will, see, I will have it. And you will have it. And then last of all, the blessing of Abraham is the Holy Spirit is ours. This is hard to grasp, but you know, when people, most people think about God. They think of God way off in a distance, you know, way out there in paradise, wherever that is. Way out there. He's in you. The Holy Spirit is God, and He indwells you. He's not way off out there, so He's in you. And he takes the things of Christ and he reveals them to you. You go throughout the day and you, 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 you begin to have thoughts of Christ. You know, you think, you think of the scriptures and the promises of God and they, and they give you a blessing. Where is that coming from? That's come from him. Before I heard the gospel, before I heard the gospel, God did a work of grace in me. I never thought of Jesus Christ. None. Throughout the day, period, none. I had other things on my mind. But now there's not a day. There is not a day you don't think of Christ. At different periods of the day, or maybe a scripture come to your mind, and it's constant. It's just every day. That's because... You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of God.
God's in you. Can't comprehend that, can we? But we can believe it. I believe a lot of things I cannot comprehend. <laughs> There's a whole lot in this in the Word of God I cannot comprehend, but I can believe it because God said so. God said so. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. We are not under that curse no more. It's gone. It is gone. He said in Isaiah 42, My servant shall not fail. And he did not fail to redeem his people from their sins. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Christ effectually redeemed all for whom he died. Redemption was not an attempt. It's an actuality. It's real. He accomplished it. I'm not under that curse. You're not under that curse no more. It's gone. That's good news. Justified. That's good news. <laughs> Justified is not, it's not a cold doctrine to me. No, I... Mm -mm. All those sins. and I tell you what, we, we talk about all of our sins. We don't even know it. We haven't scratched the surface of it. He said, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know who I am. You don't know how bad I am. Well, however bad you think you are, it's a lot worse. You just mark it down. It's a lot worse. And he has saved us from a lot worse. 